to the beginning of a 10-week journey around the Holy Spirit. And so um, I've asked Anna to come and read the two texts. So grab your Bibles, head towards Isaiah, and ladies and gentlemen, Anna. Yeah, we go. Oh, can we very sophisticated? Yeah, we have things. Testing. Hello. Okay. I am reading Isaiah 9, 6 through 7 to start us off. And it says, For a child will be born for us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. The dominion will be vast, and its prosperity will never end. He will reign on the throne of King David and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it. With justice and righteousness from now on and forever, the zeal of the Lord of armies will accomplish this. Beautiful. First, first little section. Then I'm also going to read John 14, 12 through 26. This one's a little longer. Truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do. And he will do even greater works than these because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, I will do it so the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commands. And I will ask the Father and he will give you an, another counselor to be with you forever. He is the spirit of truth. The word is unable to receive him. The world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him. But you do know him because he remains with you and I will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I am coming to you. In a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me because I live, you will live too. On that day, you will know that I am in my Father, you are in me, and I am in you. The one who has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me, and the one who loves me will be loved by my Father. I also will love him and will reveal myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it you're going to reveal yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. My Father will love him, and he will come to him and make our home with him. The one who doesn't love me will not keep my words. The word that, you're, that you hear is not mine, but is from the Father who sent me. I have spoken these things to you while I remain with you. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you everything I have told you. Beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you. Thanks, Anna. So Anna and her husband, Andrew, are part of the Emerging Leaders cohort that we're just getting off the ground, and uh, they're a wonderful, wonderful couple. At God's added to the community. Hello, the Vispellas. I knew there was someone I had to welcome slash abuse. None better than that. The border was long today, they tell me. Yeah, yep, 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 yep. All right, so we are going to conversate around the Holy Spirit. Now, now why do I use that language? Because what we do here is we sow some seed. We look at some text, tell some stories. We do some explanations. But then for the rest of the week and the 10 weeks, we unpack it. This is the time where we can do it friend to friend in our smaller space around the dining room table during the week. Even on Tuesday night when we gather to worship, we can anchor ourselves around this narrative. 
And uh, then tonight we actually have a home group leaders dinner at my house. And uh, then next Sunday we'll be back and we'll pick up on the story some more. Now I'm very aware in a community like ours, oh Terry and Linda, just wave. Uh, those of you who don't know, Terry and Linda have been outside elders to us, which means while we've been putting an elder team together, we've had two couples who have been our reference point. I make no decision unilaterally. Every decision gets run through the two elders, who two couples, who will um, kind of peel off once we've established a team. And they have been incredible allies and friends. And unfortunately, Terry asked some really hard questions like, have you and Meryl fought recently? And I want to say, shut up, it's got nothing to do with you, but I don't because I'm a nice guy, and I answer his question mostly. There are four groups in the room. There are those of you who have a charismatic history, charismata, the Holy Spirit, and the gifts. Um, and so you are going to find it a little repetitive if you have walked in any way with an understanding around the Holy Spirit. However, I think some of you have developed bad habits, very culturally specific, very church culture specific. And I'm hoping during these 10 weeks, we will adjust some of those things for the context in which we live. And then there are those who grew up in a cessationist background. Uh, it's the biggest word, but it's not really that complicated. It means essentially that you grew up in a church where the practices of the Spirit are generally not affirmed desired given for them. What's happening with the mic, Ty? Okay, maybe it's just I'm too powerful. Hey, well, I can dream, you know what I'm saying? Hey, so you like doing that. <laughs> so not only are some of you have been experienced and exposed to the charismatic, but you've also, secondly, some of the churches where none of this makes sense to you. You're brand new. In, in terms of moving out of that model. Thirdly, and I want you to listen very carefully, some of you have been manipulated by the gifts. I think some of the most destructive words in Christendom is, the Lord told me. My sister's a prophet, an amazing prophet, incredibly accurate prophet, but you cannot have a coffee with her without her mentioning 50 times what the Lord showed her. To some of you, that's incredibly arrogant. How do you know? I mean, how do you really know? I've had people say to me, the Lord, you know, <laughs> I, was, I was praying about it this morning. And thinking, you know, in the Old Testament, it was, they solved it quite simply. If you were wrong, you got stoned. <laughs> and that's not marijuana stoned. That is like stone stoned. I, I think it will solve a lot of problems. Honestly, let's just stone the junkies, you know. Because it can do an incredible amount of damage when we are in a presence waiting on God, wanting to hear a word. Someone comes and says, God's told me for you or something like that. It's quite possible. And I know because some of you have spoken to me, you have felt manipulated. And so we've got to find a way through that. We've got to dismiss the pain, trauma and uncertainty of what you've experienced to help you Find a sweet spot where God the Holy Spirit can truly be active in your life. And those of you who do pray and prophesy, I'm asking you to just drift away from those words just a little bit. We can say exactly the same thing without using those words. You with me? We'll talk more about that at some of our workshops. 
So it's those who've been around a long time, those who've come from churches that believe those days are long gone, those of you who have felt very manipulated around the use of the gifts, and then fourthly, delightfully, those of you who are clueless as to what I'm talking about. They're my favorites. Just at, what, what, cessationism, gifts, charismata, what on earth is all of that? But what we are trying to do is to create an environment, an ecology, if you wish, where we can seek Him, where we can meet Him, where we can understand Him. Let me, let me use an, an illustration here. Austin, I'm sorry, I don't think I'll damage it. All right, so here we go. If I was to stand in the middle of all of you, and there were some of you below me and some of you above me, and I held this guitar like this, and I said, I hold in my hand a guitar. Those to the right of me will say, and I say, what does it look like? They say, oh, it's easy. It looks like a bit of a voluptuous lady with a big belly button. She's got a long neck like they have in Africa where they put lots and lots of chains on, and then she's got like this tiara thing going on there. That's what a guitar is. Oh, no, so these people. No, you're absolutely crazy. That's not what a guitar looks like. This is what a guitar looks like. Yeah, you got the part right about the little voluptuous shape, but, but yeah, it doesn't quite look the way you do. The people who are underneath are saying, oh, hell no. You guys have got it all wrong. This is what a guitar looks like. There's like a little hole here that I've just completely messed up, and there's like a belt that hangs out of it, and it's quite wide. It kind of looks like the cliffs of Dover. Oh, no, 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 no. So the people above, see, you don't understand. This is what a guitar is. When you look at a guitar, you can see right appearing before you are these very shiny things. And then it looks like some strings and chords that run down. And then in the distance, now what are we describing? Same thing. But where you position yourself, AJ, would you mind putting it down and repairing it for me? <laughs> see, it's exactly the same thing. We just choose to posture ourselves positionally and believe with all of our hearts, with purity of intent, that actually this is what God the Holy Spirit looks like. Now, probably you've got one or two vistas on Him. One or two ways in which you have grown to understand Him. But ladies and gentlemen, it's like a diamond. It's so multifaceted. That's four dimensions. The Holy Spirit is so multifaceted that it's all over. Um, a guy came to my daughter's when we were leading Southland, and one guy particularly, and he said, is your dad always grumpy? And they said, what do you mean? You know, when he preaches, he gets all intense, and his veins stick out, and he's forehead, and he gets all red, and it feels like he's angry at us. Oh, the girls, and they told me about this conversation afterwards. You see, you haven't been there when he's been on vacation. See, you, you haven't been there when we're hanging out as a family. You haven't been there. We've been on the beach. You haven't been there. And then Dana reminded me, and I completely forgot about this. But when she, when she finished up middle school, she said, can she have some friends around for lunch? And I completely forgot about it. But when she, I remember now, and, and when she arrived home with her friends... Um, I was dressed in a tuxedo. Yep, the serious, vein-popping, sweating, in-your-face preacher. And for the rest of the afternoon, I engaged with a very butchered French accent. 
Bonjour, mademoiselle. Merci beaucoup. Thank you for coming to my house. We would, and, and I just, the whole time, I went through each meal. What, I said, would you please go upstairs and dress appropriately? We want you to dress very nicely because we're going to have a sit-down dinner. See? Now, you don't know that, Chris, do you? Because what happens is we construct a reality around our exposure rather than the width. And part of what we want to do during this time is by way of the guitar illustration and my great disastrous French accent, is this, that there is so much to find out about him. And those who will posture themselves with humility will hear, will receive, and will be transformed by his ongoing presence. Are you with me? Otherwise, we can switch off and say, oh, I did, I did. Holy Spirit 101 at Bible College 25 years ago. You're looking at one side of the guitar. There's so much in the beauty and the mystery of who he is that he desires to reveal to us at this time. Evan Wickham, you know, he preached here the other Sunday, wrote to me because uh, there's a whole number of churches globally that are doing this uh, 10 weeks not together, but at the same time. He said it really does seem like the breath of God is animating God's people afresh for a heightened awareness and an expectation of His tangible presence to be manifest amongst us. That, dear friends, is the invitation of God's manifest presence, not just in a meetings context. I love meetings. If there's anyone who should hate them, I should, because I've been in one for 45 years several a week. But man, when the presence of God comes and we feel tender and vulnerable in His presence and He loves us and He touches us and He holds us and embraces us, what is better than that? I've heard some folks have been somewhat perturbed by Tim Mackey and the Bible College's language, but Bible project, the Holy Spirit is a divine energy. Well, that's not all that he said, and I think it's a misrepresentation of the video. But let's get going. I want to do two, three things quickly. One, I want to tell you my story, and I hope it's okay. Secondly, I want to kickstart us on the Holy Spirit journey where the Bible starts. And then thirdly, I want us to um, explore some of what it takes to ready ourselves for His coming. How does that sound? All right, here we go. Terry and Linda knows us from those days. Terry soon afterwards. 1976. December of that year, I was a freshman at college. South African universities ran January through December. And um, I failed for the first time in my life. I'd always been in the top academic class, the top rugby team, the top cricket team. I ran for the school, debated for the school. I was a successful kid. I went off to college at 17, and I was just not ready to go. And I partied my way to disaster. Came back in December of that year, and I lay on my, parents, my bed in my parents' home. And I said, Jesus, I need to know if you're real. If you're real, I'm in, boots and all. If you're not, I'm done. I will die a hedonist. I really love pleasure. And God, by His grace, revealed Himself to me. But two things happened, dear friends, that have founded me, created, grounded me is a better way of saying it. And the first was, I joined the most radical church in the city. I, I had to find people who were as passionate about Jesus as I was, and I found them and more. We lived communally. We preached on the street. We went into the hospitals. 
praying for people. It was radical. Rad- I've never, ever met a more radical. Terry and Linda will know they were there. But I was schooled in the theological foundation of the Reformed theology. And um, I have to tell you, whilst there are some excesses and peculiarities that I'm not fond of, these five things, dear friends, were drilled into me, branded into me. The first is solo scriptura, which means the Bible alone. That was drilled into us, the inspired Word of God. And that's why even today, dear friends, if there's anything that comes up, anything, my instinct 45 years later is to go back to the Scriptures and say, what does the Bible say? And I have to be honest about what the Bible says, not how I want to manipulate it or find the other text or or, or kind of wrestle in the verses of obscurity, but to be deeply and honestly true to what the text says. Secondly... Um, solus Christos, which means Christ alone. There is no other Savior. There is no other redemption but Jesus. And the cross and the resurrection and the empty tomb and the ascension. Magnificent. Sola fide, by faith alone. You, You know how that branded my soul? I have never felt that I need to find my Heavenly Father's approval. I've never lived under gray skies Have I blown it? Oh, yes, I have, sadly, too often. Have I felt my Heavenly Father's rebuke? Absolutely. But it's never been dismissive. Well, Chris, if you act like a jerk, I'm distancing myself from you. I found a Father who wanted to hold me, who wanted to embrace me, who wanted to redeem me, who wanted to show His kindness towards me. Do you understand why this immovable soul found faith in Jesus? Sola gratia, um, grace alone. Um, I mean, I wish I could teach on these things because they are such exquisite truths. Soli Deo gloria, to God be the glory, or the glory to God alone. That was anchored into my soul. Just think for a moment, what were the first theologies you had? Was it pop theology? Was it someone's podcast that's quite cool and sexy? Who doesn't go to a church, is not submitted to any leadership? But you just go along because it's cool and you want to have listened to his or her latest thing. Oh, my dear friend, you will blow with the winds. Bend like a tree. Not solid and strong. Grounded in the fact that it's the grace of God that saved me. The grace of God that holds me. The grace of God that will keep me. And I will stand before him one day with tears uh, Bawling, tears just rolling down my cheeks as I see him. And, and he runs across and he holds me. And I will say, by grace alone, by grace alone, by grace alone. But there was a second thing that deeply shaped me. I was so hungry, dear friends. I ran to every single meeting I could. I was, by that stage, I was, uh, I was 18. And any meeting I could, I would had been Methodist and Dutch Reformed, meaningless. I was so hungry. I went to everything I could. I remember going into a Catholic meeting once, a charismatic Catholic meeting. And I was so culturally blown. Catholics were the Antichrist. They were the enemy. You know, don't associate with them. And here is a room full of people who are worshipping 
tears streaming down their faces, in love with Jesus, compelled and captivated by it. So they said, who wants, to, who wants to speak in tongues? I thought, I have no idea what that is. I can speak two languages, but I have no idea. So I walk to the front, and I feel this gentle little hand on my shoulder. And now I cheat, so I look like this, and it's a nun. It's God's sense of humor, isn't it? It's a nun who prays for me. And I want to flip her hand off. Can I have a real man, please? It's God's beautiful sense of humor. And as I lifted my arms, God filled my mouth with his gift of tongues. But you see, and I think it's on the screen, although you guys haven't been putting the, the thing up, I realized that the Holy Spirit was real, he was a person, he was intimate, and he was dunamis. There we go. He has power or was power, that was the way I felt, to get us to be witnesses, because we preached on the street, Friday night, Saturday morning, said, please don't tell me you go to a lot of meetings, please, please. We preached on the streets Friday night, Saturday morning, Saturday night. We went to a home group. Every week, we had a prayer meeting every week. We had a Sunday morning meeting and a Sunday night meeting. And the consequence of that was we loved Jesus more. And I was your age. He was power to get us to be witnesses. He was power to do miracles. We expected him to heal, and he did. He was power to speak in tongues. He was power to have these encounters. All right, I'm going to leave all that out. Do you understand? That was my story. And it branded me. I hunger for the Holy Spirit. Even when we've got, got everything planned, we, we talk outside, and what are we going to do? And then I'm standing there in the worship. Holy Spirit, where are you here? Loved, loved, loved what they did. But where are you? We, we can do that. Texted my boy yesterday in San Diego. said, hey, Bones, what are you up to? He said, oh, I'm at this coffee place, and they got some local artists playing. I said, any good ones? He said, yeah, the school's just done an Amy, Amy Winehouse store. It's pretty good, Dad. See, see, we can do this. But we can't do the power of God. That is not doable. So what about his story? That was my story. What about his story? Grab your Bibles with me if you don't mind and go to Genesis chapter 1. Of course we have to go there. Let's start at the very beginning. It's a very good place to start. Genesis, are you with me? Okay, Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, or it may be interpreted from before the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness covered the surface of the waters, watery depths. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light and it was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. So God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was an evening and there was a morning and there was one day. You don't have to be a literalist around this. You, you know, Paul, Peter writes, and he says, one day is, is as a thousand to the Lord. I don't think we have to be bound by this, and so it's got to be kind of a new earth. And it's, it's, Honestly, it's, it's sideshows. It, 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 I want to see people encounter the living God. And I have a theological 
squishiness that allows me, based on Peter's writings, to say, one day is as a thousand. But God, the, the Trinity, is here. Do you see Him? Them? In the beginning, God. Well, that tells us that the Father was there with a majestic plan. From darkness to light, from chaos to order, from blackness to beauty. Well, where's Jesus there? Well, God said. Who is Jesus? Jesus is the Word of God. Isn't he? Didn't John 1 said, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and God was, and the Word was God. In the beginning was the Word. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. See, see, Jesus was there. He was there in the beginning. And Colossians tell us, For everything was created by Him. Jesus, in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through Him and for Him. So the Father was there, the Son was there, and then the sweet Holy Spirit was there. You see, see my notion of the Holy Spirit was almost like Marvel, like Hulk, just with this big fist, because He's dunamis. And that's the message I heard over and over again. He is power. And so my image was not that of a hovering, like Susie so wonderfully described a few weeks back, of the dove hovering gently. That was my picture. But not only the first creation, but the new creation. John 20. Again, Jesus said, peace be to you as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them. Receive the Holy Spirit. The same breath of God in Genesis 1, the same breath of God in John 20. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they will not be forgiven. Now, that's a complicated piece. And so what we do is to try and understand the Trinity, we use illustrations like, well, the Trinity is like an egg. You have the shell, you have the white, you have the yellow. Or it's like the three-leaf clover. Or it's like um, H2O. Well, those are okay. But, but, but they keep us in kindergarten theology. It's far weightier, far more complex, far more beautiful. Please be mystified by the Holy Spirit. Please, it's okay. I said to Meryl, um, and, and as you know, we've married almost 42 years, and I to a babe, you know, you mystify me. Thank you. Please don't let me ever work you out, because then I might get bored. She mystifies me. I look at her sometimes, and I think, who is that woman? Who is a woman so compelled by beauty? Walking on the beach in Dubai, little shells, not more than half a dime. And she says, Chris, 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 stop. And I'm thinking, there's a, I don't know what, and there's, Chris, they're treasures. But like dead serious, they are treasures. You're just walking on these treasures. That's mysterious to me, or stupid, but I'm choosing mysterious. Now, in the same way, it's okay to be mystified by the Holy Spirit, to say, Chris, I don't get it all. I don't get it all after all these years. We are graced with tenderness to explain the eternal and the indescribable. I'm sorry it's kind of wordy today, but I just want to open your hearts up a little bit beyond your own trapped 
perspectives. Francis Chan, in his book, The Forgotten God, quotes St. Basil the Great, whoever he was. What does the Spirit do? His words are effable in majesty and innumerable in quantity. How can we even ponder what extends beyond the ages? What did He do before creation? How great are the graces He showered on creation? What poor will He veil in the age to come? He existed, He pre-existed, He co-existed with the Father and the Son before the ages. Even if you can imagine anything beyond the ages, you would discover the Spirit is even further beyond. Open your eyes. Be ready for God the Holy Spirit to reveal Himself progressively to you. Two funny little stories. I was uh, on my YouTube feed. Why? I have no idea. There are these gender reveal moments with um, kids, you know. And so, <laughs> the one is, there's a mother standing with two daughters. And the father is standing there, and he throws something down, and pink just comes again. And he cannot believe it. He storms off. You see, he did not want pink. He wanted blue. Because his baby wasn't what he thought his baby was going to be. And then there was another one, which is better, actually. It was gender reveal. Couple there, um, and they kind of pan over the crew a little bit. And as they do the reveal, again, can't remember exactly how, um, it's blue. She mutters away because her great-granddaughter was going to be named after her, but it's now her great-grandson. You see, God might reveal Himself to us in ways we want to storm off. Are we okay with that? When He chooses to reveal Himself, may it inconvenience your own introspection, your own vulnerability, your own uncertainty, or just the fact that he, you've lived this bigger Holy Spirit journey, but now you're finding it is not quite the way you think he was. Okay. Thirdly, my story, the beginning of his story, and now reading myself for his coming. I think it's on the screen, but the British author, pastor, Simon Ponsonby, in his book called More, great little book, Enumerates the things that are obstacles to a deeper walk with the Holy Spirit. Here, here they come. Number one, an unexpected heart. An unexpected heart. Don't read the rest of them. If I had time, I would have done them in a clever way, like one at a time, like Bill Doctrine would have done or something. An unexpected heart. That basically positions myself within the rhythms of Christian tradition, but not within the bounds of Holy Spirit expectation. Folks, you know, my cricket coach used to say, translated into baseball, he used to say, every time the ball is about to be pitched, get onto your toes and expect the ball coming to you. When do you drop catches when you're on your heels and you're not expecting the ball to come to you? It's like, oh! Now, the unexpected heart is just not anticipating, expecting, or desiring God the Holy Spirit to come and meet with them. I'm asking with a heart of grace, beautiful, beautiful Genesis types, open your hearts up. Can I, can I say this? I understand there can be things where you just want to keep him at a distance. But there is joy 
when he comes, far greater than the joy you create in your own authorship. Secondly, an unhealed life, which with that. The unhealed life is a life where we are fairly dogmatic around what we believe and what we do, and basically, forgive my crassness, to hell with him. To hell with God. I'm not healing. I'm doing this. Now, you do with that God whatever you wish. It's such a foolish posture, because not only is he a tender, kind, generous God, the Father, but the Holy Spirit will niggle away at us and bring us to a healed space. It's easier and quicker if we healed ourselves. Thirdly, unconfessed sin. Uncon he is the spirit of holiness. You know that. He cannot reside where there is unconfessed sin. Please understand that. Remember again what Susie so wonderfully said. He is like a dove gently perching on our shoulder. And one of the ways we f flip him off, I didn't mean that to say that, but that's what I said. <laughs> I meant flick him off, is unconfessed sin. Will we hold to the sin that brings us so much seeming pleasure, but shadows our soul with distance from God? Fourthly, an undiscerned enemy. When we went to um, Eastern Europe uh, for the first time, just after the wall came down, the pastor said to us, you know, in the old days with the Stasi, the uh, security police, and the communist state, we knew who the enemy was. We knew. When they walked in the meetings, we knew they were. And they said, you know, oh, we long for those days. And I was quite taken aback. I said, well, why? I said, because the enemy is all around us now. We knew who the enemy was. We don't know. Folks, the enemy in Orange County is very sophisticated. He's not going to come to you like a witch, probably. He's probably not going to come and roll around and scream and shout like a demonized person. Might. But he's oh so subtle and nuanced because Orange County is subtle and nuanced. And he so hides himself, tucks himself into the culture that we live in, that we embrace the culture and the him. It's an undiscerned enemy. Unclaimed inheritance. I don't want to fight for the things that God has promised. Unwanted gifts. God, please don't give me those gifts. And unbelief because of unworthiness. Because. Because of unworthiness. Okay, okay, I've said enough. I want to land where we started. And we started with Isaiah 9 and John 14. And I want to start off at the first step of a Holy Spirit study with the notion we don't necessarily start with power or many of the other things. I want to start with what Isaiah and John writes about, he is the paraclete. He is the comforter. He is the counselor. Isn't the beautiful Isaiah 9 is all about the Trinity? Wonderful Father, Prince of Peace. Uh, sorry. Uh, Father, Prince of Peace, wonderful counselor. What does it say about the Father? Everlasting. Thank you. So, so what... Isaiah and John does is that he hones in, they hone in 
to the idea of the comforter, the counselor, the helper, the advocate. The advocate. I was thinking, uh, because I've had time on my hands, so I've watched, done some binge watching. Yep. And um, there was a very moving scene where a rather overweight worker in a restaurant has the good guy stand up for her. When guys are sniggering about her and her weight and her d demeanor, and they kind of joke or whatever, and this guy gets up super angry, and he smashes the guy's head into his food, cutting him up here, and the other guy breaks his arm, and then he realizes, obviously spare soft strain, he realizes what he's done, and he walks away, and she stands there, and she said, no one has ever stood up for me. The Holy Spirit is our advocate. He is the one who will always stand up for us. Paraclete means the one who is called alongside to help. That, dear friends, is where I want us to begin. Set aside the prejudices and preferences. Set aside the things that may have influenced you or hurt you or harmed you or just ignorance. Can we start with the one who is called alongside to help. Now you understand getting to know him is absolutely paramount. Because he is the divinely assigned part of the Trinity to walk alongside me and you. He will protect me. Um, I, I've got to land. Is Dana here? Okay, she's with the kids. So Dana studied at Oxford, and I'm a Dylan fan. And so she heard Dylan was performing at Birmingham. So she got the train up to Birmingham, went to the concert. As she walked out, there were Dylan t-shirts. And she had just enough to get from the stadium to where she was staying at 11.30 at night in Birmingham. And she says, okay, t-shirt or ride? T-shirt or ride? T-shirt, t-shirt or ride? T-shirt, t-shirt, t-shirt or ride? So she bought the t-shirt. I said, Dana, you are my 19-year-old daughter. You're in a city you do not know. You do not have one friendly person. What did you do? She said, Dad, I just prayed. I said, God, Holy Spirit, you are to walk alongside me. And she helped him because she tucked into wherever groups were walking. She walked with them, and then they would peel off, and then she would find another group because it's the Holy Spirit and wisdom together. She got to her res, her place where she stayed, and uh, I got to hear of it later. And I didn't know whether to be proud or angry. Probably a bit of both. But you see, the advocate, the helper, the counselor is called alongside us to help. Can we start there? Is that okay? Can, can we mull over that and read the texts around that? And Jesus said, and this is where I land, Jesus said, Remember when I go, I'm sending one, and there's cool things. You're going to do really cool things, but I'm going to call him the paraclete. I'm going to call him the comforter. But boy, you're going to do some pretty cool things in my name through him. All right? Open your hands, if you don't mind. Um, Ty, have you got the computer there? Can you throw up those things from Simon Ponsonby? Can we just take a moment?
I, I hope this evening was helpful. Um, it's just my grandson. He's allowed to do things like that. I'm just going to go through these slowly in prayer. Just ask God what, or if any of those, are pertinent to you. Father, I thank you for this great little book. But Simon raises some questions, and I guess we all fit in there somewhere. And so we come with humility and with a tender heart to say, Lord, I'm sorry that it's in one or more of these places that I have found myself recently, and that's why I'm petrified of your Holy Spirit coming. I've tasted of your gifts, and I've seen it's changed, but I no longer have an expectant heart. I, I don't live a healed life. Sweet surrender is not at all compelling to me right now because I don't know if I can trust you. The unconfessing has held me captive. My eyes cannot steer away from the thing that so easily ensnares me. I read this morning Paul saying in 2 Corinthians, he said, um, I have a thorn in the flesh. And people debate what it is. It's not really debatable. He says it's a messenger. It's a messenger from darkness that whispers to me nonstop, nonstop non-stop. You don't qualify. You're not good enough. You're not capable. You're not really a Christian. Over and over and over again. An unclaimed inheritance. God has given promises, but you're no longer fighting for them. Unwanted gifts, self-explanatory, and unbelief because of unworthiness. Would you take a moment where you are? We're not going to call people up, but would you take a moment just where you are and let God, the Holy Spirit, the one who walks alongside you, just highlight the thing that he deeply desires to gain access into your heart. And that's the obstacle. Now, Holy Spirit, we want to invite you. It seems crazy to even say that. But as a community, we are hungry for you. Not a subculture of you. Just you. Just you. Just you. Just you. Would you be kind enough to show us where we've locked the doors of access so that every door in this community will be swung wide open. Come Holy Spirit is what the series is called, come. It's not to the church and for the church only. We're desperate for your presence in our city and in our nation, desperate. Desperate, desperate. Would you stand with me, please? We were going to do a Q&A. I think it will disrupt the moment.
I just want us to sing one more song together in that same posture. Thank you. You've been wonderful tonight. I hope I've been helpful.